Can you think of a time when you've been waiting ages for something? Anticipating maybe an event. It could be a gig that you bought tickets for a year or so ago. The Olympics, Eurovision coming to Liverpool. It might be a relationship like an addition to your family, a new baby, uh, meeting Mr. or Mrs. Wright. And when it comes, it's actually completely different from what you expected. Or, or even because it's been so long, you've kind of forgotten that it's happening at all, and then it suddenly arrives. And someone else has to remind you of it. That's a little bit of what's going on in our next reading in Acts, which I'm going to be talking about today. And this follows on direct from last week when um, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples. And it's Peter standing up and reminding the crowd of God's ancient promises about the coming of Messiah. And Messiah was a kind of Jewish hero of faith that would put right everything that was wrong in the world. So let's read. It's Acts 2, verse 14 to 41. Then Peter stood up <clears throat> with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. <clears throat> Therefore my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently, the patriarch David died and was buried. His tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised on oath 
that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David didn't ascend to heaven, but he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. The onlookers described here that Peter was speaking to were mostly Jews, but also those who had converted Uh, to Judaism. They'd come on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem from all over the Mediterranean region and they'd come for this annual festival called Pentecost. These were devout people. They'd invested time and money to make the journey. They'd taken the risk of leaving behind maybe families, leaving their livelihoods, their land and making what could be quite a challenging trek. What were their expectations? Although some might have never been to Jerusalem for a festival, I think for many this was a well-trodden path. It would have been an annual visit to the temple to observe what were very familiar, well-rehearsed sacrifices that had been done in Israel since time immemorial, since the time of the Old Testament. What none of them can have expected is what happened in the reading last week, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then, following that, Peter's explanation that we just read. So I'm calling this talk, New Power Now. What was new here? Well, the first obvious thing is Peter. Peter's gone from being scared of admitting to a servant girl that he knew Jesus at the time that Jesus was crucified. He then went on to hide inside a locked room after Jesus died because he was scared of the Jewish authorities. And here he is standing up and preaching in public in Jerusalem, the capital city of the Jewish religion, to thousands of people. Peter was a fisherman, remember. Unschooled is how the Bible puts it. And yet here he is delivering this eloquent, well-referenced speech, drawing on different Jewish scriptures and confidently challenging this massive crowd to put their trust in Jesus. 
who just a month before had been um, enemy number one. It's quite the turnaround. And the difference is the Holy Spirit. In fact, for some people, the change in the followers of Jesus over the 40 days since his crucifixion is strong evidence of the truth of the biblical account. Let's assume the other view for a moment, that this was all made up. Just a story made up by the disciples. So the intention of the Jewish leaders in crucifying Jesus, as they had done several times previously, was to kill the leader and then the followers would scatter. You'd expect any rebellious movement or rival sect would be snuffed out as a result. You kill the guy that's the inspiration that's drawing everyone together and everyone goes home, loses interest, does their own thing. But in this case, even though Jesus' death had been very public and as shameful as it could get, somehow, within a matter of weeks to this event we read about today, this angry, betrayed, grieving group of followers had somehow come up with a story of resurrection that was not only fantastical, not only likely to get them killed by those same leaders, but also theologically seamless with all of Jewish scripture, accompanied by this outpouring of supernatural power, and then convincing at least 3,000 people within hours of its launch. And this was all achieved in 40 days by a traumatised group of unschooled men and women. It seems very unlikely. The alternative view, of course, is that the whole account is actually true. Jesus rose again. He appeared to his followers. He gave the promised Holy Spirit. And that's why they were bold and excited. Because they knew it was true. So <clears throat> what else is new in this passage? Well, as I said, here was a crowd of people that had come to sacrifice. Devout people worshipping God in the particular location of the Jerusalem temple and in the particular ways that the Jewish scriptures specified. This was their only path to God in the Jewish religion. But Peter blows this out of the water. Jesus is the Messiah they've all been waiting for, he says. No wonder the crowd were cut to the heart when they realised. But the real revelation is verse 38, where he says, repent, be baptised in the name of Jesus, and your sins are forgiven. No more animal sacrifices, no more pilgrimage to the temple, just belief that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead and is able to forgive us. Jesus was enough. Now, you may be quite familiar with this. You might have heard a street preacher, um, been in church and heard it in the church liturgy. You might know it from a gospel song or even a crowd talk. But on this day in Pentecost, this was brand new truly the birth of the gospel message. The difference is the Holy Spirit. But the pouring out of the Holy Spirit was also new. Peter reached right back to this prophecy, uh, which we read in our reading, recorded by Joel, at least 500 years previously. And this prophecy described what was to come. Ordinary people seeing visions, dreaming dreams, prophesying, even young people, because of God pouring out his spirit. You see, in those times in Jewish history, in what we now call the Old Testament, 
God's spirit was just for the chosen few. A prophet here or there, the odd king was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But this was temporary. It was just the odd occasion. And what Peter is describing here is being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continuous experience. It stays with you. No one had ever known the Holy Spirit like that before. And what accompanied that prophesied pouring out of God's Spirit? So when we come to power, new power. And by power, I mean supernatural power. Now, I think certainly in Western cultures, we have this fascinating relationship with supernatural power. On the one hand, we dismiss it in our hyper-rational, scientific view of the world. We might even scoff at miraculous happenings, or at best be a little cynical, to be honest, when we hear a story of someone being healed, for example. As for raising the dead, really? And yet, we can't get enough of stories of power. Characters with supernatural gifts, superheroes, boy wizards, the paranormal, harnessing hidden secrets, ghost monsters, multiverses, reincarnation, blah, 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 blah. It's big entertainment business. But where are the stories of Jesus's power in all that? The miracles and wonder that Peter points out here that the crowd he was talking to knew very well. They'd heard the stories, they'd maybe even witnessed them. Well, I have a theory. Because the source of this power is the Holy Spirit. Wonders in the heavens, in the Joel prophecy, the healing and other miracles of Jesus, and finally, Jesus' resurrection. But to access this power, we approach a person, the Holy Spirit. To experience this power, which is the greatest there is, we come into relationship with the source of this power. In contrast, all the other powers we're so fascinated by in our culture, well, they're not about relationship. They're really, if we're honest, all about us. Our effort to train, to meditate, use the ways of the force, learn spells, whatever. The message is, if you work hard enough, if you discover the secret knowledge, you will gain power. It's all about your effort. And then once learned, the power is at your disposal. You are in control. You choose how to wield it for good, heroes, or bad, or anti-heroes, or villains. You call the shots. You go where you want with it. Kids dreaming of revenge on the school bully by firing lasers out of their eyes. It's seductive. Power that we earn and control, or power that requires our relationship with the power giver. My theory is that society, we long for power with which we can overcome circumstance. We're clearly fascinated by the stories of it, but we reject God's offer of power through the Holy Spirit. Because if we're really honest, we want it on our own terms. End of theory. What does God's power look like? Well, We have the healing miracles of Jesus, the wonders, think, calming of the storm, turning water into wine, but also the possibility of forgiveness through faith, which is power in itself, that our lives would be transformed, that we could be forgiven of all our shame and start afresh. 
The good news of salvation is described in the Bible as being accompanied by signs and wonders that back up the truth. And we see this throughout the book of Acts. Personally, I've seen people get immediately better from long-standing pain or illness when I've prayed in Jesus' name. I've seen pictures in my mind's eye when I've prayed for basically strangers that unlock something emotionally for them when I've described that picture to them. I felt prompted to share specific verses or scriptures with people that has brought specific encouragement to a situation that I didn't know about. I've seen people released from oppressive, long-standing spiritual influences, a release that resulted in actual physical change in their demeanor uh, from that freedom. I did bottle out of praying for someone to come alive again soon after they'd drowned, but my friends did. Sadly, the lad stayed dead. But I've also seen countless changes in apparently intransigent situations as a result of praying for change. These are all quite everyday examples of the power of the Holy Spirit available to those that choose to live in relationship with God, as Peter describes here. New power now. Now. By this I mean that the days of hoping for a future Messiah, hoping for the outpouring of God's Spirit, as described in Joel's prophecy, the days of coming month after month to sacrifice animals to be right with God, these days are over. No more waiting, no more sacrifice. On this day of Pentecost, God's power in the Holy Spirit became available to us ordinary people. Everyone. Each one of you now can ask God for forgiveness and by believing in Jesus, be released of that debt of sin just as 3,000 people did that day. Each of us now can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as a result of that transaction, of our shame for his forgiveness. The Holy Spirit who can transform your situation. Peter declared this is for you, for your children, and those who are far off. The Holy Spirit is accessible to all. New power now. What we read about here in this first gospel message was completely new. It, it was a game changer. It changed the rules. It opened up, not just to the Jews, but to everyone, all people, the possibility of coming to God. It demonstrated that the power that Jesus had to transform situations was now available to all of us when we put our faith in him. And now it's available to each one of us. It's just a prayer away, effectively. And a lifetime of practice and faith, to be honest. New power now. What will you do with it? Coming up, we have Conversation Street. But before we get into that, here's a clip from our podcast, What's the Story, which you can subscribe to on all your favorite podcast apps. 
And you may feel like you do or do not have a lot of money, and you may be able to give all of it or none of it to the Lord, but what are you doing with your time? Yeah. And I think that he values the time way more Mm -hmm. than he does the money because that's how he lived his life. He spent time with people and time with his apostles and time with the poor, with the widows and the orphans. So welcome back to Conversation Streets. My name is Matt Edmondson. Beside me is John Harding. For those that have joined the live stream, uh, we are crap. We're an online church, as you probably picked up uh, from the fact uh, we've been uh, looking at uh, the Bible, looking at Scripture. And so welcome uh, to you. It's great that you're here. Now, John. Matt. I <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was finishing my thought. Uh, it's... Um, I always love just listening to Will talk. He has this amazing ability to take something very complex and put it in terms that I can understand it. I think that's partly to do with his science job. Do you know what I mean? It's like takes all this complex stuff and puts it in ways to understand it. Um, but I'm intrigued, right, uh, with Will's talk. You've, as we said in the introduction, you've just come back from Israel. So let's get this into the conversation. Um, what would... What was that scene like, do you think, uh, where Peter stands up before the crowd? Because it's it's not an auditorium, is it? It's not like he's gone the Echo Arena <laughs> or whatever it's called now. Um, and I'm just kind of curious, what paint that scene for us, if you can? Well, first of all, let me say, great talk. And, and Will always brings something so thoughtful, uh, reflective and really powerful. I mean... If we're really listening to what he's saying, we should be thinking, could that be true for me? Could I Mm. have some of that? Is that available to me, really? Um, Of course, we believe it is, Mm. uh, and as Will believes it is, but, you know, really enjoyed listening to that. Um, I mean, it's only Wednesday, a couple of days just gone, that we were allegedly stood in that upper room where this event happened. Now, I don't think it's the right room, but... um, if Peter's saying, like he says in the verse, David was buried here, then mm. they allege it over the burial place of David. Okay. But you're talking about a city that is rammed for one of the three main festivals. And, and Will talked about that brilliantly. You've mm. got Jewish people living their Jewish lives. They gathered together for like a really special moment of worship um in this case the um festival of pentecost the three big festivals uh, tabernacles passover and and pentecost so the city is rammed rammed with good people rammed with devout people rammed with people who were um trying to relive and retell the story of their ancestors of course, those stories were meant to be trailers for the main uh, for the mm-hmm. main event. They were meant to be foretastes um, yeah. uh, of what would come later, uh, and and that is what they're experiencing. Those things that they were waiting for, that were promised to them, is coming true. We'll, we'll put it so so well. So um, I think you'd have had real mixed responses. You would have had some like we see in this. It's like that makes perfect sense. You've just explained to me um, everything 
that I believed in a new and fresh way. And and 3,000 were added to their number on that day. So so I think it had been really exciting. Uh, the, the passage talks about joy and rejoicing quite mm. a lot. They think the men are drunk. There's some something that's quite exciting um, and loud um, that's happening in this moment when the Spirit fills them. Um, and we tend to think of religious festivals or religious services as, dare I say, a little bit boring. <laughs> a little boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but that is far from what's happening here. This is an exciting moment uh, of God breaking out from the norm of what was expected. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's a good, actually, it's a good point to kick off, isn't it? Because this is right at the start of the passage that Will was talking about today, that there was just this level of joy. These guys had encountered the Holy Spirit. And um, the, uh, the bottom line is, how do you know when you've encountered the Holy Spirit? You will be joyful. Uh, is yeah. is 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 a is probably a fair takeaway, right? Yeah, I, I mean, when I ask to receive the Holy Spirit, that because it's a gift, mm-hmm. He is a gift, and we can ask to be filled. Um, I mean, honestly, there've been times where I've laughed uncontrollably. There's also been times where I've wept like a baby. I remember one occasion um, in a, a service, a church service, and I stayed. Um, towards the end and I just said Lord Holy Spirit I really feel dry and weary in life I need you come and fill me and quite Mm. unexpectedly um, I mean it was like it was like the whole of my body vibrating for 45 minutes snot and tears no one dared go anywhere near me but it did me good it revived my heart it encouraged me so yeah joy but something's going to happen when you encounter the Holy Spirit, because um, he's going to bring some power and some transformation and breakthrough into your life. Yeah, totally. And when Will was talking about this, he was, I mean, he was talking about some of his experience, wasn't he, with the Holy Spirit, about how he had, um, he, he sort of felt impressed to uh, speak to someone or to pray to someone. Um, and, you know, he had pictures and thoughts and, 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 you know, he's prayed for sick people and they've got well. And so he has, he has seen, um, and experience the miraculous or the, the 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 invasion for want of a better expression of the Holy Spirit in his life um, and also the Holy Spirit through him to other people right that that was uh, what sort of came clear to me so for you what you're saying is you've got very similar stories you just experience the Holy Spirit in different ways right well absolutely Matt and I think that that's why as you said Dr Wilson with super scientific guy i think his research was in to do with spreads of viruses and advising the government during covid and stuff you, you've got to really ask you've got this story about a guy who dies and is rose from the dead um god on earth it's a pretty unbelievable story but it's a story that about half the world's population believe mm. and so there are those who believe it and those who don't believe it and if you're in the camp of not believing it can you really write off the experience of those who do believe it? Surely that in itself is enough to think maybe there's something in this. But for those of us who believe it, we, we believe it because that story becomes part of our experience. Mm. So the, the things that Jesus promised around the power of the forgiveness of sins, again, 
will great talk if you if you're watching it but that's a true power isn't it my yeah. life was characterized by guilt and shame and condemnation before i knew jesus i i couldn't sort that out for myself mm. and when i received his love and his forgiveness he transformed how i thought and felt about myself and uh, and my life and and that shame and guilt was lifted what an incredible miracle but mm. yeah I, i've seen the healings my nan was healed pretty instantly of parkinson's disease Holy she God. went from having tremors and shakes mm. wandering around the town and we had to go look for her to just changed in an instant um, i remember once my youngest boy he'd been swimming in a river in france we found a dead cow floating in the river um and his whole ears had swollen up and the sort of opening in this here uh, closed up he was in a lot of pain i got my phone out to look with the um torch i wished i'd press record we anointed him with oil like the bible says mm. within three seconds it had completely been healed I, I remember being a kid when we had no food in the house no money uh, being incredibly poor growing up and sitting and sat at the, a set table ready for food because my mum was convinced that god would provide food a knock on the door go to the door there's a bag of food so for me the miraculous has been an aspect throughout my mm. christian life um i don't put my faith and trust in that and i thought that was really honest and vulnerable of will to talk about the times where we believe for the miraculous yeah we don't get the miraculous mm. um that that was and and and, and i know that's the sort of stuff you've discussed in the past on crowd church why do bad things happen for example yeah, yeah. and all the, those big problems but i just bring it back to that fact that there are people who believe the story people who don't and if you don't you've really got to ask the question why do these people like dr will sopwith like us and others why do we really believe it mm. you know um, and the simple answer is because it's become our story it's become our experience yeah it's a truth that we we've all experienced isn't it and i i i i'm gonna put on the matt's written a comment here um he said i asked god to touch me in the past and he has done at mcyc uh, i'm not sure what that stands for anyway uh, 13 years ago amazing feeling and it's it's interesting isn't it how I think we've Man. all got these stories, um, these sort of testimonies, as we like to call them in the church, of where we have experienced God. It's not just a, um, a, 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 we don't believe just because of guilt. We don't believe just because that's the way we were brought up. Um, it's not the way I was brought up. Uh, but we, we believe for many reasons, one of which is our experience of, of God. And, and the thing that I loved about Will's preach is he touches on this where Peter's concerned, doesn't he? Where Peter is this Galilean fisherman um who was scared to uh, to tell a, a young girl that he knew jesus to within a few short weeks standing up an uneducated man delivering you know maybe not the prescribed way of delivering a speech but definitely delivers this amazing speech brings in old testament references and all kinds so you have to look at that and go that was one heck of a transformation right it, it, oh. Undoubtedly, and if you think about it, 3,000 responded, and that was a percentage of the crowd. Mm. So you could, uh, this is not on the Temple Mount, um, the courtyards of the Temple, 
but you could easily get over a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand people there in oh. that physical space. So um, you, you've got a city that is rammed, and 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 it, I mean, I'm nervous enough talking to this camera, and I can only see you. So <laughs> I've been nervous trans- talking to me as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a transformation that's taken place, isn't there? Mm. And 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 Matt is right. It's like an encounter with the Holy Spirit that brings your faith alive, rather than one of my concerns. One of my concerns about certain types of Christianity, modern Christianity, is that we've made it a little bit like a self-help movement, a self-help program. So I'm on this personal quest to a bit like I might do some yoga classes or I might do some. Uh, a particular type of diet i'm trying to find a way to improve my life and what peter's doing here is calling people into relationship with jesus is in in community together actually Mm. that's going to be the next section of reading Um, and he's calling them into something that's not for them to do but it's for them to receive and it's it's about inviting that forgiveness and that that power of God's spirit to transform our lives. It's not that it's not without effort. Of course, there's an effort to the Christian life, but the effort's about receiving and surrendering and keeping our eyes fixed and focused on on, on Jesus in, and pressing into community in all its various forms together. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. And I'm with you. I mean, I... I'd, I would say I probably fell foul of Christianity and the self-help, you know, the sort of the Western Christianity self-help ideology. And, I, you know, that sort of just think positive and everything will be all right kind of thing. And, it, and, it, and the reason why I agree with you is because um, you and a bunch of other people along the way have challenged me. And it's like, it's not, this is about God's grace. This is about Jesus here. Yeah. Um, self-help in some respects is good. Yes, you need to take responsibility. Yes, um, you need to stop messing about. Yes, etc., etc. But fundamentally, there are things you cannot do without the grace of God. And self-help won't. You can't just get your head down and pile through it. You need the grace of God, right? Is that what you're talking about when you talk about self-help? Absolutely. It, it, I'm talking about moving away from therapeutic Christianity. So, so you like I. I, we know each other well. I mean, I know that if you decided you're going to do a gym program, I mean, I don't know what you're pressing now, Matt, but you take these things quite seriously. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when yeah, you're yeah. a particular type of person who wants to make things happen um, entrepreneurially in your workplace and all the rest of it, we can sort of apply that to ourselves as if it's down to us to save ourselves and improve ourselves. Mm. And really, we are all called just to surrender before Jesus. And, and to and, and for him to do something for us that we could never have done for ourselves. Mm. And then it talks 2 Corinthians 3, 18, 19, that it's the role of the Holy Spirit who transforms us into the likeness of Jesus. Yeah, It doesn't happen passively. It doesn't happen without effort, but it's, it's the right type of effort. Um, it's not through trying to be really, really good and uh, trying to avoid being really, really naughty. It's just about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. And, and and like I pray every day, every day I say, Holy Spirit, your job is to transform me. Your job is to make me more like Jesus. Um, Holy Spirit, I yield to you. I submit to you. I worship you because you're God. 
and, and I ask that you would um, be at work in my life today. And, and so I'm, I'm coming to him to confess my need. Mm. Holy Spirit, I need you. Mm. Uh, that is probably my most prayed prayer. It's a very good prayer to pray, actually. If you want to know where to stop praying, start praying right there. But I'm curious, mate, on this self-help thing, what are some of the things that you've seen people fall foul of? Um, because I do think this, there's a couple of things which I think are problematic in the church at the moment. Um, the self-help being one of them, progressive Christianity being another. Maybe we'll get onto that a little bit because Peter, I think, addresses this a little bit in his talk, actually, uh, in, his, in his sermon. Um, but what, what are some of the examples that you, you can think of that people might need to watch out for? Okay, well, take any of the good things that we might call spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. Understanding and reading the Bible. Prayer. Th those sorts of things um what what can tend to happen is we um pick and mix pick and choose those things away from others in community so i find my favorite songs and my favorite preacher and really i'm trying to uh, um feed myself the things that i want uh, or like when you hear someone say, I don't go to a church because I just go and encounter God in nature. Mm. Um, Bonhoeffer, uh, uh, part of the um, persecuted church in Nazi Germany, he talks about this when he says that the, the, the problem with that approach is um, it never really caused me to surrender. Yeah. It, it never really caused me to compromise in the in the right and the best and the healthiest sense. Uh, when when I connect with other Christians in community um, together around God's word, it, it requires a different posture from me. It requires a humility um, uh, from me, and that that's really where spiritual formation takes place uh, most powerfully. So that's a little bit what I mean. It's yeah. like. Like I, and I think I talked about it in my last crowd talk. Actually, um, I need community. I need to commit to community, I, and I'm not talking. I, I'm talking online mm. or in person. For me, that doesn't matter. It's about a commitment to a group yeah. of people to do life together. That's how you take those individual things and you move them from self help to a sort of a shared, mutual love and service of one another. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Very well said. And interestingly, um, I mean, there's many things that I've got many notes from Will's talk because, you know, why would you not have really? Um, but right at the end of it, um, at, uh, the, the, at the end of Peter's talk, he says here, um, when uh, when people heard this, they were cut to the heart um, and said, and they said to Peter, okay, well, this is fine. What do we need to do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Um, what do you think, what does cut to the heart mean? That's a, I think it's a really interesting phrase. You know, people can hear all this stuff and, and find it interesting. They can find it, uh, you know, mentally. I can, I can kind of think about this or, you know, I think there's going to be different types of responses. And I'm curious, what does cut to the heart mean, do you think? I think there's a massive difference between conviction and condemnation. Mm. And um, for us in Christ, there's no condemnation. Um, I think that, like, there have been times where I've preached in the past and someone said, oh, you said something, and I felt really condemned from it. Yeah. And really, I think I, I think what happens in conviction is um, we, we humble our hearts, like, maybe this is true. 
maybe I don't know best here. Maybe what that person is saying could be right. And so I think when it says cut to the heart, there's something that they're doing, which is opening their heart to allow God to come and touch their hearts, um, as opposed to just doing what you saw in the stories of the Gospels of some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which was just to put their hands up and say, no, mm. not even going to consider or entertain for a moment that maybe what Jesus is saying is true. So um, often the message of Jesus has this polarizing effect. Yeah. It rarely leaves us as neutral. Mm. It forces us to either humble ourselves and think, Do you know what, maybe I've not got this right. Maybe there is a God who knows best for my life. And, and that's where you get into this whole idea of repentance yeah. from the Greek word metanoia, which means to change our thinking, mm -hmm. to line our thinking up with God's thinking. Mm -hmm. And we know how God thinks. He's revealed it to us through his word, yeah, the Bible. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, just a few short weeks ago, I did a talk called How to Turn Your Life Around in 30 Days, which is very self-helpy and was deliberately titled like that. And the whole premise of the talk was you need to repent. Or we talked about repentance. The whole talk was about repentance. And that's how you turn your life around. And it is about that, isn't it? It's about repentance, um, which has a real issue, I think, with progressive Christianity, with um what they call now as expressive individualism in the sense that you it's not about you you it's about going i'm not living this the right way i'm not living it according to god's way and so i need to humble myself and get in line with what god is saying right and that can be true for someone who's not a christian that can be true for someone who is a christian you know yeah. it can be true in how i run my family i, I could be like um you know i i could be doing something as a husband which I need to repent of. It doesn't change my faith. I just need to realign my thinking with God's thinking, right? And I think you're right. It's very, very polarizing. Uh, and mm -hmm. the standard is is re remarkably simple to understand. But actually, when you think about it, it requires a lot because God's like, no, no, it's my way. There's just a deal. <laughs> you, you've got to align to my way, right? Well, I mean, and well done for saying it, Matt, because... Like what we're not trying to do in crowd church is get as much popularity and as many followers as possible. What we're trying to do in love is to share the, the truth of who Jesus is in a way that can help people encounter him mm. and have their life change. But we do that knowing that it will have that type of polarizing effect. And, you know, well, I, I completely agree with how you're calling out this progressive Christianity because, um, it, there's no Christianity where the self is uh, the Lord and the boss of my life. No. Uh, like my um, nan used to say to me, the, the, there's a throne in your heart and it's only space for one. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, either you can sit in it and think you know best and live your life your way. And, you know, how's that going for you, by the way? <laughs> or you can, you can invite Jesus to come and do that. And, and, and I, I, I know I see that in your life. I see it in uh, the lives of the people around me that I'm in community with. Um, that all we're trying to do is take God's word and say, how can we live a biblically faithful life? Yeah. Um, because maybe, maybe, just maybe, we don't know best. Mm. And what Peter does in this talk is not come up with something new. No. Uh, a friend of mine used to say that innovation in theology is a dangerous thing. Mm. 
<laughs> if you come up with something new, yeah. then uh, hang on a second. All yeah. Peter's doing is calling these people back to something that's ancient, mm. back to something that's um, that's proven and tested. The God of the ages, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God revealed um, to Moses uh, in the Torah. Um, that, that's what he's calling people back to. And a lot of mm. progressive Christianity is, is trying to sort of deconstruct those things in order to come up with something new, yeah. which effectively is um, you at the center of your life. Mm. And it's very, very dangerous. I think very, very dangerous. It's, um, you know, it's the same thing. We live in an age now, don't we? We live in a culture where actually we try and tell ourselves that we're not wrong because we're living our truth. Uh, and and so we we don't like to face up to the fact that maybe we are wrong or what the Bible says is sin. But um, and so what we do is we redefine what that is and we go, oh, we can't be wrong because we're just living our truth. Right. And and that, again, puts me at the center of everything. Whereas actually, I think it takes a brave man or woman to stand up and go, nah, I've, I need to live this according to God's standard. Right. Well, Jesus never said you do you. Um, <laughs> you know what that would be a great t-shirt you know me i mean we've we've got very serious <laughs> and very deep but these are these are life and death matters aren't they really yeah. um and and really it's about having that posture and, and i i see that in your life i see it in will's life i hope people see it in my life that posture mm. of saying all i want to do is try to understand um, God's word, who he is as best I can and faithfully use that as the standard that I try and measure my life up against. Yeah. That That's what we're trying to do. No, very well put. Very well put. Well, I think we've uh, we've we've had a very good conversation. It feels like two minutes, John, but apparently we're almost out of time. <laughs> it just goes by so well, let quick. Me just say, let me just say, Matt, because of the passage... I would really encourage people watching this at any time, whether you're watching it live or some other time. Uh, when you finish watching it, just find some space on your own and say, uh, Holy Spirit, could you do that for me? Could yeah. you fill me like you filled those people? Could you come and touch my life and begin transforming my life in that way? Uh, and let us know how you get on. Yeah. Um, because I, I know that that is a prayer that God wants to answer. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you. And as you go through the story, uh, and as Peter quotes Joel, you see that he breaks down gender bias, he breaks down racial bias, he breaks down class bias. There's no age. excuse. There's age, yeah, yeah, the young, the old, they're all thrown in, aren't they? So um, everything's broken down in this one sermon, and it is available for you. And that's one of the things that came out in Will's talk, isn't it? And I think, yes, you, that includes you. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a great prayer to pray like john has been praying holy spirit would you come touch me today like you did the disciples back in pentecost would you come can i and and help me to lead a life which is uh, right and aligned to you i think it's you know take me your way take me your path the brave prayers to pray uh because you never know <laughs> what god's got in mind just pointing that out uh, but yeah it's, it's awesome man john listen next week right um we have you speaking according to my notes so we're taking a slight we're pausing slightly on the acts series and we're doing what we call a, a now word it's 
It's basically where you and I, on the odd occasion, just go, I think we should just talk about this. Just feel like God's impressing on me to talk about this topic. Um, whereas the whole Acts series is very you kind of dictated, you know, what the, what the next passage is. So just give us a brief, a brief glimpse into what is coming next week. It's something that's really been on my heart. It touches on some of the things we've been talking about. But if we were to ask the question, what is the present moment that we're living in like? What What is the world like at the moment and how do we live well in the world? Um, has the world changed at all over the past two, five, ten years? What is the What are the characteristics of this landscape that we find ourselves in and what does it mean to live well within that landscape that's really what i i want to touch on and again just to try to bring some biblical perspective and truth into that perspective into that question oh yes you're not going to want to miss that ladies and gentlemen we know it's going to be good because um i mean john love you you're an awesome dude and you are one of the best bible teachers that i know so uh do come and listen to it it's going to be it's going to be epic yes it is so thanks for joining us tonight. Matt's put here in the comments. Uh, join us again next week. I'm just reading Matt's. In fact, let me put it up on the screen because, you know, Matt does a much better job at this than I do. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Join us again next week at 6 p.m. GMT, as John Harding brings us his now word. What Matt has not done in his comment, which surprises me, is reminded me to tell you that we have midweek groups as well, which meet on Zoom. So if you'd like to connect with us uh, at Crowd Church, you can do that uh, there. The web link is on your screen. You can reach us at www.crowd.church if you're listening to the audio. Um, connect with us through that and we will let you know about the midweek groups. Uh, we would love to see you there if you want to get into these small groups that John's been talking about. Uh, and you says, thank you so much. Uh, that was amazing conversation. Great. Uh, thanks, thank you for watching. And um, yeah, wherever you are, have a fantastic week. Uh, I'll be back next week. John will be back next week, and so will I. Will be back Anna. Next week. Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got it all going on. So, John, anything else from you in closing, bro? Uh, just a pleasure, and uh, just pray that everyone have a great rest of their day. Yeah, absolutely. Have a fantastic rest of the day wherever you are in the world. Thanks so much for joining. God bless you guys. Do pray that prayer about the Holy Spirit. Uh, you will not be disappointed and just see what he does in your life. Um, and like I say, me, John and Anna will be back next week. God bless you. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us here on Crowd Church. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button as well as that little tiny bell notification to get notified the next time we are live. And of course, if you are listening to the podcast, uh, the live stream podcast, make sure you also hit the follow button. Now, by smashing the like button on YouTube or writing a review on your podcast platform. It helps us reach more people with the message that Jesus really does help us live a more meaningful and purposeful life. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to check out our website, www.crowd.church, where you can learn more about us as a church, more about the Christian faith, and also how to connect into our church community. It has been awesome to connect with you and you are awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear and hopefully we'll see you next time. That's it from us. God bless you. Bye for now.